This is Charles Zuta, and I welcome you to another episode of the Fountain of Life podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we will be continuing shortly in our very interesting subject of memory, ministers or monsters. In the previous episode, that is episode 10, we looked at how the devil tries to weaponize guilt against us by going through our sins and going through things that we have done in the past and using this against us. And we saw in Zechariah chapter 3 how it was done to the high priest and how God spoke up on behalf of the high priest. So today I want us to look at how God has dealt with our sins so that those things don't become memorials against us which the enemy can use to condemn us and tie us down into a cycle of guilt. So to do that, like our previous speakers have have taught us, we need to process that sin. We need to process that circumstance which the enemy is using to get us on a guilt trip and practically tie us down into a life of dysfunction and a life of fear and guilt and all. So how has God dealt with our sin? That is what I want us to be discussing today in more detail. Because in order to process that situation that is causing you guilt, you need to have facts. And so that is really, really crucial. What facts do you know? What do you know about how God dealt or deals with our sins? Sin that we have confessed, we have practically processed it from God's perspective and it shouldn't come with guilt anymore when that sin comes back through our memory channels. But if we still have that guilt, we should be able to deal with it, reprocess it and put that guilt to rest for good and not give an opportunity for the enemy to harass us anymore. So I want us to look the need for facts, the need for truth, the need for understanding. Because once you have the knowledge, you can be able to process that situation or that, that memory of that sin. Even though it's not supposed to harass you anymore once you've dealt with it. But if it's still happening and you are accusing yourself to yourself, the devil is helping you to accuse yourself to yourself by constantly bringing up that memory. You need to know how to continue processing that sin so that when it comes back, it is stripped of the power of guilt. Okay, so the first thing that I want to say, the importance of knowledge and memory, I want us to go to the book of Daniel. 
Daniel chapter 9. Remember in episode 3 of this series, I mentioned how the captives in Babylon descended, according to Psalm 137, descended into a life of dysfunction because they didn't have the ability to process the memory of the things that they, were, they had gone through, their laws, and all of that. They just couldn't process it well. And because of that, they descended from being able to play instruments to practically hanging up on those instruments, sitting down in a life of despondency. And I did mention in episode four that they didn't have the tools that they needed to process their situation because there was two streams of message that they were receiving. The truth from Jeremiah, the prophet, that was telling them that they were going to be in Babylon for 70 years. That truth was overshadowed by a barrage of false message from false prophets that was giving them false hope. You see, so they sat there in despondency because they didn't get access to the facts and the truths that they needed to deal with their situation. If they had it, they would have known that, look, we should get on with our lives. We are going to be here for 70 years. Therefore, one day we know, even if we don't go there, our children will go back to Jerusalem. And there is hope of us going back to Jerusalem. But they didn't have those facts. Or if they had it, it didn't have the impact that it should have. Now let's fast forward 70 years. Those same people, those same captives in Babylon. The Babylonian Empire had fallen. It is now the Persian Empire that is ruling them as captives. Now God, through Daniel, was going to reveal to us the value of truth in processing the things that stand in our way and begin to feed those memory channels that are causing us those emotional trauma and dysfunction. So let us look at some very important truths in Daniel's experience. Okay, The same captives, but maybe different dispensation from maybe those who wrote Psalm 137. Now, Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, this is what the Bible says. In the first year of Darius, the son of Hasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he will accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Then I set my face towards the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. So, Bible says, in the same circumstance, Daniel is also a captive, just like those in Psalm 137. But Daniel said he understood by the books, the number of years specified in the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that God will accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So he understood. He had facts. He, he knew where they were supposed to be. That is really crucial. When you are trying to find your way forward past those emotions, past this dysfunction, you should interpret the circumstances based on facts. That is at least what we learned in episode two. You need facts, you need truth to process 
whatever is causing that emotional trauma, whatever is causing that thing, you need those facts. So Daniel, within the same throes of captivity, hopelessness, and frustration, he got to know that they were supposed to be there for 70 years. So unlike those boys, Psalm 137, who didn't have the outlook, they didn't have those facts, he said he understood. Daniel said he understood by the books how many years they were supposed to be in captivity. And then he took action. He began to pray. He began to fast. He began to seek the face of the Lord. Now look at something very interesting in Daniel chapter 10. In Daniel chapter 10, he continues, I'm sure it's still the same era of fasting and prayer, but this is what we see. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. Nor meat nor wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river that is Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. So, geographically, Daniel was also by these same rivers, those same rivers that the people said they sat by and they hung their harps by those willows. Daniel, having understood the times and the seasons of God based on the knowledge that he was by those same rivers, the river Tigris. So perhaps that was a meeting place that they went. He was there, but in this case, not in despondency, not in a mood of frustration and anger and bitterness as those in Psalm 137 were. But he was fasting and praying. And why is there the Lord revealed himself to him in this vision that he saw that was going to reveal what their destiny was going to be beyond the time that Daniel was praying. So it reinforces the fact that these are the same people, the same maybe different generation, but one had the facts by looking at the truth in the word. And he used it to process his situation by fasting, praying, seeking the face of God, and God revealed himself to him. Another set of people descended into despondency because they didn't have those facts. You see, so just as we've learned that we have to process those memories, it is crucial for us to understand, to know what God has done about those circumstances. What is the will of God for that situation you're facing to, that sin that has harassed you, the enemy has used to harass you for so long? What has God said about sins that we have confessed? What has God said or done about the things that are holding you down in your memories? things that have happened in the past. What is the mind of God concerning those? You need to know. So, like I said in episode 10, episode 9 and 10, I was going to focus narrowly on guilt because that appears to be some of the biggest traps that we fall into. The devil uses it against us and it's primarily because maybe there has been sin or failures in the past that the enemy has latched onto and is using it to harass us. But we know that God doesn't condemn us anymore in Christ. So if God doesn't condemn us, who should condemn us? So like we saw in the example of Daniel, I want us to go to the scriptures. 
to try and understand what God had done with regards to the sins that we have confessed. So we can silence the enemy for forever when he tries to dredge out those sins that we have confessed and God has forgiven us. So how has God dealt with our sins? First, in Hebrews 10 verse 17, the Bible says clearly that their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. That is a powerful statement. We know that God makes effort to remember things like writing our names in his palms and then also putting the names of the tribe of the people of Israel on the breastplate and the shoulders of the high priest garments for a memorial. There are things that God remembers, but there are things that he doesn't want to remember and those are our sins. So the sins that we've confessed and God has forgiven us, he says your sins he will remember no more. So if God doesn't remember them, who has the right to remember them? Certainly not the devil and obviously not you because whatever action you are going to take with regards to that sin is meaningless after you've confessed it because God doesn't remember what you are telling him anymore. So if you have the habit of any time that enemy brings up that memory, you raise to go on your knees and confess that sin, that is faithlessness. Because when God forgives you, he forgets it. He says, I will not remember anymore. Now in Isaiah chapter 43 and the verse 45, this is what the Bible says. It says, I, even I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. You see, so God needing to not remember your sins is not only about you. It's also about himself. You see, so he says, he blots them out. Once in a while, we see documents that are released online about situations, maybe political or something, and then they say it has been redacted. Redacted means they blotted out certain information so the general public won't see it. In the same way, God is saying he blots out. He redacts your sin from your records. He's redacted it. So it's not meant for you to remember or for any other person, including the devil, to remember those things. He blots them out. He redacts it for good. Okay? And the other thing that he also done, go with me to the next chapter, Isaiah chapter 44, and the verse 22. Isaiah 44, and the verse 22, still about how God has dealt with our sins. 44, 22, this is what the Bible says. Remember this from verse 22. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me for I have redeemed you. So God is saying he's blotted out like a cloud, a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. You see, clouds are condensation, that, that's moisture that is condensing up. Once rain falls out of that cloud, that cloud is gone for good. That same cloud, that same location is gone. So he says he blots out our sins like a cloud. Once that cloud is dissipated, it's gone. So if God is doing this, then we also have to align our confession and our understanding with God. That is how he has dealt to that sin. Whatever is that sin, whether it's sexual sin, whether it is sins from our childhood, whether it's abuse, whatever it is, that is a source of guilt for you. Once you've dealt with it, and you've confessed it, God is saying he doesn't remember and he says he's blotted it out. He says like a fog, he has blotted out that sin. 
So why is he doing it? He says he's doing it for his own sake. He doesn't want to keep record of your sins. And then go with me again to Psalm 103. Let us look at some Psalm 103. Psalm 103 and a verse 12. Psalm 103 and a verse 12. Can't get there any faster. Hope I can. Psalm 103 and a verse. Psalm 103. Come on. Psalm 103 and a verse 12. This was his. It says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. Our academics tells us that north and south do meet. If you are going due north, you go due north to hit the north pole. And then if you start descending the globe, you come down to south at the south pole. So north and south do meet. They are fixed destinations. East and west are not. If you are going due west and you don't reverse direction, you keep on going west for eternity. If you reverse direction, start going east direction, you'll be going east for eternity. So east and west don't meet technically. So in the same way, God is saying, he didn't say he separated us from our sins as far as north is from the south. If it's north from the south, we will encounter those sins down the road. But he says it is east from the west. So it is for infinite distance. God has done it for infinite distance. So if there is no encounter between you and your sin, there shouldn't be any memory as well. Once you've dealt with it, God says he separated you from that sin as far as east is from the west. So if you arm yourself with these truths, you begin to process that guilt. When the enemy brings it up, you tell yourself, God says he separated me from my sin as far as east is from the west. His forgiveness is infinite distance, such that I will not have to encounter the guilt of that sin, because guilt means to carry your own sin. So you are not carrying it anymore. He's, he's taking it away from you, and he separated you from it infinite distance apart. Then also, just to help us to visualize how God treats those sins, in Leviticus chapter 4, Leviticus chapter 4 and the verse 21, he does something very interesting to those sins, the sin offerings. He says, the high priest or whoever is offering that sin offering, he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it up as he burned the first bull. It is a sin offering for the assembly. In the Old Testament times, the sin offerings were normally sacrificial animals, bulls, cows, whatever. And whatever God wanted or his plan for those things was that they should never be recollected. They should never be again on those people. So he has them to burn it. When you burn something, you can't reconstitute it. You only have ashes. You see, you can't bring it back to its original form. You completely transformed it into a different state of matter. It's gone. You see, so that is what God did to our sins. He burnt it, completely gone, charred, it's gone. He transformed it. So for you and for me, when we remember those sins, we shouldn't create holograms of those sins. 
It's gone. Don't create holograms. Don't live on those things. Let them go. Get them out of your life. And once they are gone, they should be gone for good. So if God doesn't remember, who should remember them? Nobody should. In the book of Micah, chapter 7, in Micah chapter 7, Micah is a minor prophet, Micah chapter 7, verse 18, there's an interesting scenario that he God's pains. He says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. So God doesn't retain his anger forever. And then look at what he did, he did with our sins. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. He, you will cast all our sins into the death of the oceans or the death of the seas. So this was God. He took all our transgressions. He took all our sins out of mercy and compassion for us. And then figuratively, he's thrown them into the death of the seas. And like some preacher said, he wrote on the beach, no fishing. He didn't just throw them into the sea. He also said no fishing. That's my paraphrasing. God doesn't want anybody to dredge up those things. So he threw them into the death of the oceans. Like I said, somebody said, he wrote no fishing. There's a no fishing sign in that area. Doesn't want anybody to go and dredge them up. And in closing, I also wanted to remember what God says in Isaiah chapter 38. Isaiah chapter 38, with regards to what he has done to our sins. Isaiah chapter 38 and the verse 17. He says, Indeed it was for my, for my own peace that I had great bitterness. But you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. So all of this is pointing to one thing. God doesn't want our sins in his face. He forgives and he says, I will remember no more. So look at the extent to which he has gone. This one says he's thrown the sins behind his back. He has no plans of going back to look for that sin. He doesn't want it in his face. He threw it, you know, behind his back. He's thrown it into the deepest oceans and he's written a sign, no fishing. That's more my addition to it and then he separated us from those sins as far as the east is from the west and then he's blotted out those sins like a fog like a cloud he's blotted it out it's gone and then he burns those sins offerings so that it's reduced to ashes and there's no more living memory of that sin and then again we say that he 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 he, he blots out our iniquities and then he says emphatically our sins and our iniquities, he will remember no more. If there is any tool that we need to help us to process guilt, the emotion of guilt that comes with failures, with sins and setbacks, whatever those sins are, these are the tools. This is how God has dealt with them. Just like Daniel understood by the books how long they were supposed to be in Babylon, and he set himself to pray and to seek the face of God. And God showed him the way forward. 
in the same way let us use these tools these truths that we know so that when the enemy brings up our past when he comes like he stood on the right hand side of joshua the high priest in Zechariah chapter 10 chapter 10 to accuse him in much the same way god told the devil the lord rebuke you isn't this a flame that a branch that has been rescued from the flame god understands and he doesn't even treat us according to our iniquities so if the enemy is accusing you to yourself because of guilt and he's telling you he's not god will answer your prayer therefore go you you he, you are going to be under a curse you are going to be under judgment you are going because of something in the past tell the enemy process that guilt process that situation with these truths that i've just shared with you god has thrown those sins behind his back like a fog he's wiped them away he's redacted it from our records and he separated me from those sins as far as is from the west it's infinite distance apart he's thrown it into the deepest oceans he's thrown the sins behind his back those are the truths that we use to process those guilt issues once i confess those sins and i deal with them god has bent the records so when the enemy comes and is accusing me to myself with guilt or is accusing you through other people's gossip it is up to you to speak up you have to speak up for yourself process that sin tell yourself lord i thank you that you've dealt with this sin it's all gone i'm no more under condemnation i'm no more under guilt you don't remember it therefore silence the enemy and i silence the enemy for good when this thing comes up i tell myself i have been forgiven because god doesn't remember i also don't remember and it begins to remove the venom out of that guilt it begins to remove that guilt and that yoke from your life and victory becomes your lord so deal with this memory thing let not guilt cripple your life let not failures and setbacks cripple your life because god is not holding them against you once you dealt to that sin the power of guilt is broken thank you once again for being a part of this podcast and i believe that god is blessing us even as we make time to listen to his word and to grow and increase in his knowledge join me again next sunday god willing and let us look at the conclusion of this whole series how god had truly dealt with every aspect of the things that torment us in terms of our memory so that we can have the tools that we need to process those emotions that we've associated to the bitter experiences that we've had in our lifetime you don't need to be like the people in babylon to sit by the rivers and wail we can be like daniel know the truth and use it to wage our warfare god richly bless you and i really look forward to spending some other episode sharing some other episode with you god richly bless you and thank you hello this is charles zuta your host of the fountain of life podcast i want to give you a heads up to our upcoming series you know as human beings worrying may come to us naturally but you know the bible says in several places 
not to worry. And that is true. Because unfortunately, whilst worry may be natural, it could also lead us down to the path of anxiety. And anxiety does many bad things to our bodies, to our health, in so many aspects of our lives. So why don't you join me in an upcoming series as we try to find a way to escape the anxiety trap in the brand new series that is coming up which we've captioned Escaping the Anxiety Trap, How to Worry Less and Care More. I'm really excited and I'm looking forward to sharing this series and also to have you join and be part of this series as we discuss how we can escape the anxiety trap by learning how to worry less and care more. May God richly bless you. The book of Matthew 11, 28-29 Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest. Amen.